Today's show falls under the convergence of several of CWA's core issues, defense of family, education, and the issue of sexual exploitation. We're talking about the promotion of gender identity ideology and transgender activism in our children's schools. We're going to talk to a mom who's pushing back in one of the most liberal school districts in the country. We will be examining how gender identity politics is impacting kids and families. Up next. From the nation's capital, this is Concerned Women Today with Penny Young Nance, President and CEO of Concerned Women for America, the largest public policy organization for women in the nation. Here's your host, Penny Nance. Concerned Women for America has been on the front lines of today's topic of standing up to gender ideology activists by simply asking the tough questions. We've stood arm-in-arm with other values-based organizations and radical feminists in this fight. We've also helped lead the charge to save women's sports from biological males claiming to be females participating in women's athletics. But you may not believe what they're up to. Today I'm joined by Maria Kepler, one of the co-founders of the Arlington Parent Coalition, which supports parents in holding schools accountable to parental authority and in keeping their children safe at school. Maria is a former middle and high school teacher who holds a master's degree in educational psychology. Welcome, Maria. I'm so grateful to have you on today. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's really nice to be here. You know, I'm so interested. I recently wrote an article about the orientation at my son's college and I ran into some really troublesome issues with gender pronouns and sort of this ideology that was being pushed at Virginia Tech. I was very surprised by it, but what I'm hearing from you now is this is not just about colleges and universities. This is happening on the high school level and even for younger kids. So tell me about your organization and tell me why that you felt compelled to start it. Penny, I read your article and it was so eye-opening and I appreciate you writing that about what happened at Virginia Tech. And unfortunately, yeah, that's just happening everywhere. It's really become the call of the day in some of these educational institutions to put sexual orientation and gender identity politics above everything else. And the way my organization began a little over a year ago, a friend of mine was looking around the Arlington Public Schools website for some summer school information, and she stumbled across a working group meeting about transgender ideology policy. And she called me and she said, you know, do you want to come with me to this meeting? I don't know what this is about. So the two of us went and we were pretty shocked by what we heard. And what we came away with, the ethos around the table, was that parents are a threat to children and the school needs to help kids hide their sexual orientation and gender identity from parents if the kids don't want it known. Arlington Public Schools has been working on this policy. We found out later after we did a Freedom of Information Act request that they've been working on it with the local trans rights activists since September of 2018. This was now February of 2019. Nobody knew anything about it outside of APS administration and in this local activist group. And they were now pushing it through surreptitiously with no counter voices. And so we thought other parents need to know about this. But that's where we started just a little over a year ago. And as we have done Freedom of Information Act requests 
as we have looked into this, talked to parents, talked to teachers, talked to administrators, we have found this is a huge systematic organized push to influence our kids with one particular brand of sexuality. And anyone who's not in line with that, who says, hang on, that, that doesn't quite match what I believe or what I want to teach my kids, is just sidelined. You're just ignored. And that's kind of the status of things right now. Now, I, you know, I my kids, um, you know, went to school in Virginia, and we started out actually in public school and ended up moving to a Christian school because of the family life curriculum in Virginia and, you know, some other cultural issues. But what I know and remember is there is an opportunity to opt out of the Virginia Family Life Curriculum. Were parents not given the opportunity to opt out of this training? Well, this is one of the really clever little twists. So the Family Life Education Program is meant to be a separate class where trained teachers present material to the kids and it's housed under family life education. There is an opt-out for that. What's actually happening though is these... Which may, wait, may, which I may add makes your kid a weirdo, right? You know. It does, yeah. Yeah, yeah I opted yeah. my son who was a junior this past year out of the Virginia Health Survey that they were giving because I found some of the questions in that just unacceptable to ask a 16-year-old. They don't make any effort to help protect your kids or save face at all. But yeah, so you can fill out an an opt-out for that family life education class. But sexual orientation, gender identity, LGBTQ issues, these are being taught in core classes. They're being pushed into English, into math, into science. I know of um, at least one time here in Arlington that a member of the Gender Sexuality Allies Club, a student, went into a health class, a high-impact language training class, which is for immigrant kids mostly who don't have strong English skills yet, and this GSA member taught sexual orientation and gender identity in Spanish during this health class. The schools are saying that this material is anti-bullying and it's civil rights, and that's how they're getting it out of the Family Life Education Program and into the regular curriculum, which is not covered by an opt-out because you can't opt your child out of English. So when the school counselor comes into English class and your seventh grader is given a lesson on gender harassment, which happened at a middle school here, the seventh grader asked to be excused. He wanted to go to the bathroom. He knew this was not something his family would want him participating in. He was not allowed to leave. Wow. So the opt-outs are not working. Yeah. You know, I have really close friends who are public school teachers in Fairfax County. And, you know, they are very clear about the fact that the school is not neutral on the issue, which is what, you know, at least you would hope they would be. And recognizing and loving kids that identify, you know, differently or struggling with gender dysphoria, trying to figure out, you know, who they are, which, by the way, 
isn't that a lot of kids at that point in life? The teenage experience is very confusing. What we know about young kids is often they'll struggle and then work it out, you know, later in life. But what they share is that, you know, they're training and honestly, out of fear for their jobs, they feel, you know, that they cannot dissent. Yeah, they're right. This is what is being taught in teacher trainings. This is what is being taught in substitute trainings is that this is the policy. You will teach these things. You will use preferred pronouns. If the student does not want his or her parents to know something, then you hide that from the parents. If the child wants to be called by an alternate pronoun at school, but the parents don't know that, when you talk to the parents, you use the biological pronoun, but at school you use whatever the student wants. And that's just so deceptive. And what it's serving to do is to put a wedge between kids and their parents, and it puts the school in the middle. It makes the school look like the child's friend. And you hear kids say this all the time, who if their parents don't jump right on board with their new identity, well, everyone at school cares about me. Everyone at school supports me. Why don't you? And it really serves to sever the parent from the child. And I'm sorry, but parents have a longer history, a deeper present, and a longer future with that child than anybody in the school does. The parent's relationship to the child needs to have primacy. That's where the authority needs to be. And that's what needs to be protected and honored. And that's not what's happening in school right now, very intentionally so. Well, and we know there's certainly constitutional and civil rights issues here at stake. One for teachers who may have religious objections and concerns and at least want to stay neutral on the issue. And then, of course, you have the idea of parental rights. And so this is very sticky. And, you know, I know there are people listening right now who think that this is not happening in their state. And I promise you that it is happening in your state on some level. It may not be like what happened in Arlington where they brought in a transgender woman to read to a five-year-old child in order to, you know, discuss the whole issue. But I guarantee you at some level that it's happening. It is because it's being promoted from the top. This is what the NEA, the National Education Association, is saying needs to happen. If you look at their suggested book list for the year, At least one month out of the year, it is a book on LGBTQ issues, at least one. These books are being put into libraries. I'm sorry, I read some of these books, and it's gay porn. There's just no other way to describe it. And it's getting into the public libraries by way of gift boxes. Organizations who want to push this ideology will actually pay to deliver books of these boxes as gifts to school libraries. If you look in your school library, I will be very surprised if there's a school anywhere in the country that doesn't have at least one. Okay, hold that thought right there. We're going to take a break, and we're going to be right back and talk more about kind of what is happening. We're noticing this movement in schools across the country, specific in public school systems that parents really have no idea about. So hold that thought. We'll be back in a moment. This election, our country faces an important question as to the type of country we will be in the future. This will have great implications for you and your families. 
As Christians, we must engage at this time with intentional prayer and actions that reflect those prayers. We invite you to join us for our live She Prays, She Votes prayer and action events around the country on our Facebook page at Concerned Women for America. Find out more at ConcernedWoman.org. That's ConcernedWoman.org. Welcome back. I'm joined today by Maria Kepler, who's one of the co-founders of the Arlington Parent Coalition. And she's talking about the issue of parental rights, where there is this clash that's happening in public school systems with gender identity politics and the fact that, you know, many parents have very specific religious beliefs on it. And guess who's losing? It's parental rights. Maria, I wanted to go to a recent piece that you had in The Federalist. You talk about sort of this tension in which we want to recognize that there are children struggling, there are parents that are struggling that don't know what to do, and the need to reach out and build bridges and understanding and kind of what you were met with. And also, if you could just talk about the emotional blackmail that's happening with these parents. I'm not surprised that I get some pushback and some name-calling from people who are very activists on the transgender rights issues because my organization and I are saying, hey, there's another way. There's not just one way. But parents, when your child announces this, especially with the transgender issue, that they want to or they said, you know, I've discovered that I'm non-binary, I've discovered that I'm transgender. There's not just one way to respond to that, but that's what parents are being told. So when that happens, a parent goes to the teacher, the principal, the school counselor, they call their pediatrician, they talk to the child's therapist, and they keep getting this emotional blackmail that you mentioned, that you must affirm this idea that this child has. Children know who they are. This is what I hear all the time, and I'll come back to that in a minute, because that's not true. But they say children know who they are, affirm it. If you don't, they're likely to commit suicide. So you have these poor parents who maybe they have never really studied child psychology. Most people haven't really studied child psychology. But of course, of course. Of and they're terrified, right? Anybody that's told are. that, of course you would want to do anything to protect your child. And if you're talking about a child who has struggled all of his or her life, that's a different animal. There are kids who have struggled with this, as you mentioned earlier, even as young children, wishing that they were the other sex. That's another issue. But what I'm really specifically talking about here is the explosion of kids in middle and high school doing this out of the blue. And I talk to so many parents and the stories are almost identical. This happened out of the blue. I don't know where this came from. This child never exhibited any desire to be other than he or she is. So they're, you know, they're at their wit's end. They're like, what's happening? I don't know. They consult the experts and they get this emotional blackmail. If you don't affirm this, this child's going to commit suicide. And I wanted to come back to the the child psychology piece, which you mentioned a little bit earlier, but kids in middle and high school, they're trying to figure out who they are. That is the crisis at that point in their lives is figuring out who they are. What is my identity? Who am I? And I mean, when I was at that age, I tried being an athlete and that didn't work. And I told my kids that and they laughed. You tried to be an athlete? I didn't know. I wasn't. 
um, you know, am I on, am I a person who's going to be on the chess team? Am I going to be a cheerleader? You know, who am I? And so kids are trying on these different identities. And by the way, the same thing happens with young children, toddlers up through, you know, about kindergarten to first grade. They're trying on different identities. They're role-playing. One day they're a, a cowboy. The next they're a princess. The next they're an astronaut. Why in the world would we land on this one identity role and say, that's it. That's where we're freezing you. We're going to crystallize you right here with this gender identity role. You know, that is so true. I I, uh, I even have a memory of being, I think it was like four, and I uh, just idolized my older brother. I have an older brother who's nine years older than I am, and oh my goodness, he and he still is just an amazing man. But I remember just idolizing him, and I said to my mother one day, I'm not a girl, I'm a boy. And so I tried for the day to pretend I was a boy. I refused to wear a shirt. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. I changed my mannerisms. I did whatever, you know, for the day. My mother aptly, you know, she knew what to do. She just ignored it. And so by the end of the day, I realized, no, that's not really who I am. That's not what I want to be. I'm, you know, I'm me. And, and, and I also remember a friend of mine's daughter um, who was in high school, or maybe this was middle school, actually, who had a learning disability. And she said to her mother, I don't know who my person is. And I thought that was so, like, articulate. Like, she was trying to figure out, like, where do I fit in? Who am I? And she, was, she wasn't trying on gender roles, but she was trying on, you know, personas, right? Like, I'm this person, I'm sporty, I'm, you know, whatever, I'm artsy, I'm this, and, and she's, uh, you know, she came through it and worked through it, and, and, um, and by the way, is a very, very bright young woman who, with a uh, with small amount of accommodation, is a college graduate now and working and fantastic, but it's not odd right, for a kid to explore and, like, try to figure out who they are and the feelings they have, I really do wonder why the medical establishment is cowing to this and not, and, and the data, you know, and by the way, we don't have a ton of data because this is such a new phenomenon, you know, where we have this, you know, this, these, uh, surgery, you know, cross-sex hormones that are being given to children. By the way, CWA is fighting NIH grants that are doing those very things, right, or are experimenting on kids as young as eight. Um, why are we not giving them room to figure out? And then, uh, you know, when they're older, right, they can decide what they want to do. But as kids, we're confused, well, and there are some preliminary studies coming out that are showing a lot of these kids who are announcing this in middle and high school are presenting with neurological issues. Um, one study out of Brown University, Lisa Littman, did a study of 256 of these kids, and over 60% of them were on the autism spectrum. That alone should give us pause. We should be saying, wait, if there's a significant group of kids who are already diagnosed with autism or depression or OCD or, you know, they've got prior trauma, a large segment of these kids are presenting with that. We need to ask what's going on. Why is that happening? And frankly, in no other 
educational, psychological, medical issue that I'm aware of, is there a one-size-fits-all answer for everybody? Everybody gets the same thing no matter what. You always look at the whole person. A therapist, a good therapist, will look at the person's history. They'll look at the person's medical records. They'll talk to the person to find out what's going on, not just slap this label on. Well, I mean, as this longer, you know, as we see, you know, the numbers grow, and what we also have seen is people who are transitioning back. And, you know, the damage that has been wrought on their body surgically or even, you know, their vocal cords, some of which will never come back. And I'll never forget being um, an event and meeting a young woman um, who previously had transitioned to male. She had not had, she told me she had not had top surgery and she was very grateful that she had not. But she had taken lots of hormones and she had, you know, you know, a five o'clock shadow. She allowed a beard stubble. Her her voice had you know, lowered in its registry, and she was now coming off the hormones, and it was very very difficult. And she, I, I my heart was broken for her. She's a very sweet um, young woman. She uh, identifies as a lesbian, and she says, "I'm not a I'm not a man." She says, "I'm a lesbian, but I'm not a man." And at, I was told that you know, it was preferable to be transgender than to be a lesbian, honestly. And so I think that is some of the reaction that we're seeing within the lesbian community is they, they feel hurt and betrayed. And so anyway, I just, it's all so very interesting. I think there is a place though, certainly for people who are followers of Christ, who are loving people to first be caring and to reach out and to have try to have this understanding and I appreciate the fact that you're doing that but that doesn't mean that you can ignore what's happening in your kids school and we have to defend our children as well so thank you so much Maria for coming on and uh, so tell us what your website is and if people want to have get more information how do where do they go um, our website is arlingtonparentcoalition.org um, they can also email us at arlingtonparentcoalition at gmail.com. Um, we have a lot of resources on there. Um, what I would say needs to happen is more parents, more community members need to just be pushing back on schools, need to be going to school board meetings, listening to what's happening, looking through the websites, looking through the material, finding out what's going on, and making their voices heard. Um, that's what we're doing. Our goal is just to keep telling the school, hey, there are other parents with other opinions, and you need to listen to us as well. And um, I'd like to see that happening more and more, and we have resources on our website that can help people start their own coalitions in their own areas. And we are very happy to help network, help people find the resources they need to keep kids safe in school. Well, and, and what about parents that are looking for a medical help? You know, are you all able to, to actually, you know, give them uh, help in finding uh, medical personnel who's not going to immediately threaten them and force them to transition their kids? Well, we are not able to give medical advice. We do have some medical and health professionals who are part of our membership, and they have helped us craft a couple of documents with some suggestions. 
Um, we have a, a document on our site called Finding a Gender Critical Therapist. It's getting very hard for parents to find a therapist who will not just blanket affirm because more and more states are passing laws that don't allow that to happen. But right. we do have a document on our site. Um, it's under Parent Pack, um, under the menu tab, Parent Pack, Parent Resources, Finding a Gender Critical Therapist. We put that document together with uh, the help of several teachers, counselors, a psychiatrist, a licensed clinical therapist, and here's how to go about trying to find one and to vet a potential therapist um, because a lot of parents have had the unfortunate experience of taking their child to a therapist and after the first session, the therapist said, yes, this child's transgender. We need to get hormones going. Right. After one session, right. Well, thank you. And that's a great resource. Um, and so I'm sure uh, many of our listeners will want to take a look, especially if they are, you know, finding themselves in a position that they, you know, didn't expect and they're trying to find a way forward. So thank you so much, Maria. That's all the time we have today. Thank you so much for joining us. And, and as we work through some of the key and most difficult issues of our time. God bless. Thanks for listening. Concerned Women Today is a ministry of Concerned Women for America, the nation's largest public policy women's organization. For more information, visit concernedwomen.org. That's concernedwomen.org.